today, dear God. Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, just speak through Todd and just bless this time now. In Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, man. Well, it's good to have Jeff a part of the team. Um, how many of you uh, know uh, this person, right? Well, not personally, but, but you know of him, right? Of course, it's the, it's the great Reverend Billy Graham. And uh, some of you know him as, as really as a TV figure. Maybe, maybe you've seen him preach messages on television. Maybe you know him as, as uh, the evangelist who would fill stadiums with literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people to share the good news of Jesus. I mean, he had incredible influence. Some of you know Billy Graham as, as a, a spiritual mentor to many of our former presidents, um, just a, a, an influencer um, at high, high levels for the kingdom of God. Billy Graham, I mean, huge, huge impact in our world. Some of you might even be here because Years ago, you attended a, a Billy Graham rally and, and gave your life to Jesus. Or some of you are here because somebody that influenced you was influenced through Jesus by the Reverend Billy Graham. Now, this is a picture of him, uh, much younger Billy Graham. And uh, we, most of us in the room, we recognize the name Billy Graham, but I don't know how many of us would recognize the person just there in the picture standing off to his left. Anybody know the name? That was Charles Templeton. And Charles Templeton was one of Billy Graham's early ministry partners. Uh, they would go around and they would share God's word with people. He was a fellow evangelist. In fact, some believe that Charles Templeton, his impact would outlast and outreach even the impact of Billy Graham. And yet, here we sit today and we know the name Billy Graham, but very few of us in the room probably have ever heard of Charles Templeton. So why is that, right? It's actually a, a really sad, it's a tragic story. Early on in the ministry of both Charles Templeton and Billy Graham, they realized what the Apostle Paul spoke about in Ephesians chapter 6, that we're in a battle. And they felt that battle early on in their ministry. Paul, it's why he writes in chapter 6, verse 11 of the book of Ephesians, he says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. He says, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. We've been in a series looking at the different pieces of the armor of God. Uh, in our previous weeks, we've looked so far at the belt of truth. We've looked at the, the body armor of God's righteousness. We've looked at the shoes of peace. But this weekend, we're going to look at one more, actually two more pieces of armor that is so critical for us to put on ourselves so that we're ready for the battle. And Billy Graham and Charles Templeton, they faced the same spiritual battles that you and I face. And certainly, as, as lead evangelists in our world, there was a huge target upon their back for the enemy of our souls, trying to take them down and take them out. And it seems, unfortunately, that the enemy was successful, at least when it comes to Charles Templeton. Now, what's interesting is that as they both kind of started early in their ministry feeling this, this kind of spiritual battle, this war zone going on in their own souls, having filled, been filled with like fears and doubts and can God really work and can, can I trust God and 
What is God going to accomplish in and through this ministry? Uh, the, uh, the word says here, in addition to all these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop all the fiery arrows of the devil and put on salvation as your helmet. And I think there had to been a point uh, in, in, in Billy Graham's life where he realized this battle and just kind of kneeled to the ground. In fact, um, one commentator and author, Lee Strobel, who, was, who really was an atheist who came to faith in Christ after realizing there was too much evidence for the resurrection of Jesus, he writes about Billy Graham. He says, rising from his knees, that is from his knees, Billy Graham, tears in his eyes, Graham sensed the power of God. And he said, in my heart and mind, I knew that a spiritual battle in my soul had been fought and won. You see, Billy Graham, when he was faced with the spiritual battle and the attack of the enemy, the fiery darts, as we'll look at more today, he, he kneeled to the ground and he depended on God and he felt God fighting the battle for him. On the flip side of this is Charles Templeton. And Lee Strobel also writes about his life, and this is what Charles Templeton said, as was inevitable. He said, questions and doubts began to plague me. He said, my reason had begun to challenge and sometimes even rebut the central beliefs of the Christian faith. And sadly, Charles Templeton in 2021 passed away as an atheist, not believing in Jesus any longer. You guys, there's a, there's a battle for our souls. And, and, and the battle that they face is the battle that you and I face. And so the question is, where are we going to land are we going to keep faith and keep fighting? Or are we going to cave under the assault of the enemy of our souls? And that's why Paul gives us these next two pieces of armor for us to consider this morning. He says, in addition to all these things, hold up the shield of faith, first of all, to stop all the fiery arrows of the devil, which says a few things. It says that the, the, the enemy has us in his sights that we are his target, <laughs> and that he's strategizing against us. We've talked about this over these last few weeks. And, and Paul says, so in order to fight his assault, we need to hold up the shield of faith, which says that it's not something in and of ourselves. It's something that we're going to have to daily pick up for protection. Now, when you think of a shield of faith, in fact, I was talking to one of my friends earlier, and he asked me, who's your favorite uh, Marvel superhero? And strangely enough, I told him I'm, I was going to talk about it today. Captain America, right? Who doesn't like Captain America? And I mean, shield of faith, right? I mean, he's got his shield. I remember as a kid, um, I remember riding bikes in the neighborhood. And uh, yeah, I did the old thing, you know, where you put a, a, a card in your spokes to make the noise. Then I took it another step further. I thought I was really cool because I, I, I always wanted to have a motorcycle. So I took a, um, a screwdriver and I, I, I was able to lodge it down by my pedals, which was, as I think about this, this was the most ridiculous and dangerous thing. But, but I mean, I would get going and then I'd, you know, as if that did anything, but I was, I was shifting into overdrive. And then, and then, I don't know if you remember, like in some of the early, um, you know, Captain America, even cartoons, he, um, he would ride a motorcycle and on the front of the motorcycle was a place where he, it would hold his what? His shield, Right? And I mean, even like while he's on the motorcycle, like he'd take it off and be whoosh. And so I had this big, heavy-duty white Frisbee, and I put it on the front of my bike. I mean, so can you just imagine the sight 
Now, I didn't have the, the, the uniform. I didn't wear that through the neighborhood like our son Carter did when he was like five years old with a whole posse of his, of his friends at the, at the end of the little cul-de-sac, and they're all riding their bikes around the circle in their, in their outfits and stuff. But I loved Captain America, and when we think of a shield, we often might think of Captain America, but the shield that Paul was talking about in the book of Ephesians, it wasn't a little round shield that you threw. It probably looked something more like this. It was a, it was a picture of like a, a Roman shield that would have been either oval or perhaps rectangle and, and actually really large, far too large to like throw at your enemies, you know, like a boomerang. And in fact, they would, they would hide their whole bodies at times behind the shield. And this is the type of shield that Paul is saying we need to hold up. It's this huge, heavy shield. In fact, uh, he says to hold it up against, to stop the fiery arrows of the enemy. Um, oftentimes, these shields would have been made out of wood, but they might have had uh, animal skin over the top of them, and they would have wet the animal skin or the hide before going into battle so that it would do just what Paul said, extinguish the fiery arrows of their enemies. And they would also be painted and, and this was significant because depending on what your shield was painted like showed which army you were fighting for. And Paul's reminding us that if, if we're going to be in this battle and we're going to have the Lord's power and strength active in our lives, it means we have to hold up the shield of faith, that it's, that it's marked with the person of Jesus, that it's marked with hope and sacrifice and love and perseverance. And it's this shield of faith that Paul says we have to hold up to protect us. To protect us from what? From the fiery arrows of the enemy. And I was thinking about it in my own life and perhaps in your own life. What are, what are those, those ways that the enemy targets us, right? What arrows is it that he's launching into your life and my life that can be very dangerous, I think about the, the arrow of fear. Fear says, I just don't even know what to do. And, I, and I'm open here. I'm, I'm unprotected. I'm a sitting duck. This is why he says, hold up the shield of faith, right? So you don't have to live in fear. Or I think about the, the arrow of loneliness. So, some of you in this room, I, I just sat with a, a dear widow just the other day from our Port Clinton campus. And just, I can't tell you how many times she brought up her husband, her late husband. And you could, you could just feel and sense the loneliness, right? And loneliness can come in all kinds of different forms. In fact, you could be in a room filled with people just like this, but yet deep down inside, you feel alone. You feel like, well, I'm the only one here. I'm the only one fighting this battle. I'm the only one getting attacked in this way. So lonely that sometimes we think, I don't even know if God is still with me. And the enemy will, will fire that arrow into, into your life and in my life to discourage us, to, to dissuade us. Or I think about the arrow of disappointment. God, but I thought you were going to. Or, God, why haven't you done this yet? Man, we're there. I know many of you are there. Unmet expectations. It causes us to question God's love or God's care. 
And so disappointment sets in, and then disappointment leads to the arrow of doubt, right? Like, God, I thought you were going to move, and I thought you were going to help, and I thought you were going to work, and now I'm wondering, like, are you? Are you going to come through? Your word says you're all-powerful, but it seems like something else is more powerful right now. And doubt can set in. And these arrows are launched at us, you guys, by the enemy of our souls. He's trying to take us down. He's trying to keep us from keeping faith. But that's why we've got to hold up the shield of faith. Hebrews 11.1 defines faith in this way. Faith is the confidence that what we long for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things that we cannot see. It's a great definition of faith, but it's a hard definition to live, isn't it? I mean, how do you have a confidence that what we hope for will actually happen when it's not happening? Where, where do we find faith when, when our faith is weak or our faith is wavering? I mean, uh, somebody reached out to me yesterday and um, they were just showing care for our son Carter. And for those of you who don't know, and for those of you that already do, sorry to, to repeat it again. Our, our son Carter's going through a 19-month battle. And it seems like nothing's helping him get better. And, and a friend reached out to me, and he was encouraging me last night. And I just responded, and I said, thank you so much, Jeff. I'm, I've, I'm at a place where I've just got to hold on to the hope of some other people because my hope is really weak right now. You know what's really cool about the, the shield of faith? In Roman times, the, the soldiers at times would combine their shields together. In fact, they would interlock them. They, they would create what they called the, the, the tortoise, and by coming together with other soldiers, they would be able to protect each other even more powerfully. And that's, you guys, that's why we are here together. So that when, when somebody else sitting next to you is going through a tough time and their faith is weak or wavering, man, when they don't even have the strength to hold up the shield of faith, you know what, you, that's where we step in next to them. And we, we cover, we, we believe when they're having a hard time believing. And that's what the Roman soldiers would do. And they would protect one another. They would be there for one another. And I've felt that. I've felt that as a pastor. Usually I'm the one supposed to be you know, holding the shield out for other people. But I'm just a human being, a, a man, <laughs> who, who sometimes needs somebody else to pick up the shield of faith for me. Uh, another friend... This is a dear volunteer from our Sandusky campus. His name is Dave. Dave, uh, he's here just for the summer months, like many of our Port Clinton family. And, and, and Dave gets involved in our kids' ministry, and he's just, he's just a prayer warrior. He texts me every single week. This past week, he said, hey, hey, how have things been going lately, my brother? Always praying for you and your wife and your family, and especially Carter. And then the, these were his words. He just prayed. He wrote him out. Almighty God, we thank you so much for being our Father and choosing us 
to be your children. We put all of our faith and hope in you and believe that you answer our prayers if it is your will and wait patiently and obediently for your timing. Thank you for always being there for us and especially during our trials and sufferings. I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that you have blessed us with, that you lift up this family and especially Carter and give them strength and comfort and bring them peace that only you can give us as I pray that any anger that the devil tries to bring into Carter's mind will be rebuked before it can begin to work. And that you give Carter the same strength that you gave your son Jesus to fight off anything that the devil tries to use. I pray for healing to begin in Carter's conditions until full and complete healing takes over his body, his heart, his mind. I pray for Todd, for his wife and family, for peace and comfort and continued strength in these troubled times and for answers to all these prayers that are being prayed upon his family. I know all things are possible in Jesus' name, so I am praying now in your son Jesus' name that you will answer this prayer. Thank you, God. We love you. Amen. That's holding up the shield of faith. And doing that for one another. This is what Paul says. We've got to, we're in a battle, guys. And he, he, he goes on to talk about one more piece of armor that we want to look at for a few moments. I love the promise that Jesus makes in John 16, 33. He says, I've told you these things so that you could have peace. In this world, you will have troubles, but take heart, Jesus says, I've overcome the world. That leads us to this next piece of armor. Paul says, in addition to all these things, the belt of truth and the shoes of peace, he says, he says hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And then he says, and put on salvation as your helmet, the helmet of salvation. Now, I love this one, the helmet of salvation, because little did you know, uh, growing up in that state up north, uh, I, went, I, went, I lived in St. Joseph, Michigan, right next to Stevensville, Michigan, where I went to high school, and I was a lakeshore lancer. <laughs> like, we were all about the armor. And in fact, and I was, now, I wasn't that tough. Um, I was more of like a band geek. Um, in fact, I, I was a full-out band geek, and actually, um, our band, the helmets that we wore looked like that. They looked like the helmet of salvation. They looked like a Roman, I mean, there was the big poofy thing that went down, right down the middle. I mean, as if you can't make a kid in a band uniform look worse, Lakeshore Lancers, they found a way, and that was me. Well, well, well Paul, says, Paul says, listen, in addition to all these pieces of armor, you're not just going to need a shield of faith, but you need a helmet. And a helmet is critical. I mean, if you're on the battlefield, but you get wounded in the head and you can't think clearly, you're done. It's over. So much of our life is determined by our thought life, right? What we think, what we feel. Is there clarity? Where do we have faith? Do we have hope? How are we recentering on, on truth? And I think that's what the, the helmet of salvation is all about. It's about remembering who we are, and it's about remembering whose we are. That we've been saved by God through faith in Jesus Christ. That Jesus did ultimately win the ultimate victory on the cross. That even though we're facing a battle, 
the ultimate victory has already been won. And we, man, we have to remember that. I need to remember that. When it feels like we're getting just pounded on the battlefield. To be able to go at the, at the end of the day, though, at the end of the day, whenever that day comes, we win if we're in Jesus. We are victorious. It's, it's why Paul could write to the Corinthians. He says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he says, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So listen, no matter what happens to us on the battlefield, even if we die, we will live. If we're in Christ, we have eternal life. And sometimes we think of salvation as like this one moment, like when I prayed a prayer and I was at camp or I came forward at a church somewhere or I was in this deep conversation with a, with a close friend who was a Christ follower and they told me how to put my faith in Jesus and like salvation happened in a moment. And I believe it, it happens in a moment. It begins in a moment, really. But, but to put on the helmet of salvation is something that we put on daily. And so daily we remind ourselves that, that we're forgiven in Christ, that we're whole in Christ, that we're rescued in Christ, that, that, that e no matter what happens to us, we are victorious. We're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. We've got to put on the helmet of salvation on a daily basis. So I want to give, give us, as we close, three ways to make sure that the helmet of salvation is strapped securely upon our heads. Number one, We've got to continue to renew our minds. Paul wrote this in Ephesians 4. So just a couple chapters before writing about the armor of God, these are his words. He says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, he says, throw off your old sinful nature. See, there's some things that we have to get rid of or take off before we can put on the right kind of stuff. And so he says, throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, look at what he says, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. This is how we put on the helmet of salvation on a daily basis. We let God's truth by his Spirit renew our minds, renew our thinking, so that when my thinking and your thinking starts to go a little bit off kilter, right, when, when doubt starts to creep in, when we start to feel lonely and think, man, God, where are you? That we renew our mind with the truth of God's word. But no matter what our, our in the immediate experience is, we know also what the truth tells us. Renew our minds on a daily basis. The second thing is to reframe doubt. I love this story in the Gospels, Mark chapter 9. I relate to it so much right now. There's this father, and he has a son. In this case, his son is, is possessed by a demon. And, and the, son, the, the father comes to Jesus and, and calls out to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, if you can heal him, heal him. If. You see the doubt? Like, that's just real. That's where I'm at. That's where probably you are at in a lot of situations in your life too, right? Like, you know God's bigger, you know God's stronger, but you're just seeing the thing or the... Whatever it is, the, the, you know, the job or the, the business or the, 
the hardship or the relational, relational strife, and you're going, I don't know, if, if. And I mean, it's in those if moments, man, the enemy, he's just reeling back that arrow of doubt. If. But I love Jesus' response. Jesus looks right at this, this, this father who's struggling, and he, he says, if. He says, anything is possible if you'll only believe. And then I love, I mean, it's, you guys, this is, this is where faith and doubt like, come together. And this, this, this father, he says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Has anybody else been there? I'm still coming to you, Jesus. I, there is nobody else to turn to. The doctors, they don't know what to do. None of them do. You're the only one that has all the wisdom and knowledge and power to do anything is you, Jesus. I do believe. But this father, he says, but I know there's part of me that's just lost and hammered. And I'm sorry. This, I mean, I'm going to just cry probably for the next months. I don't know, guys. This is just who I am and where we're at. But this father, he's like, I do believe. It's not that I don't believe it, but, it's, but I need your help. Help my, my unbelief. Help the parts of me that don't, I don't know, trust you fully or can't be so strong and, and believe that, that, so that, boom, you're just going to do it tomorrow. We've, we've got to reframe our doubts. It doesn't mean don't have doubts. It just means if, when we have doubts, just keep bringing them to Jesus just like this dad did. we got to re-center on God's word, remind ourselves of truth, and we've got to reframe doubt, and then we've got to refocus, refocus on the eternal. These are Paul's words to the Corinthians. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. He says, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. He says, for our light and momentary troubles, and I know they don't feel light and momentary, are achieving for us, listen to what he says, an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. He's saying, I don't know what you're going through, but compared to eternity, it's light and momentary, and I want you to know what you're going through is going to be outweighed by far something that is so glorious and powerful and beautiful that we cannot comprehend it. And so then he goes on, he says, so we fix our eyes. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. We've got to refocus on the eternal. That's how we put on the helmet of salvation. You guys, we need them both. We better gear up. <laughs> We better gear up. We better hold up the shield of faith. And when we can't hold it up, we better be there next to each other, holding it up, protecting each other. When, we, when you don't have the faith, then count on my faith. When I don't have the faith, I'm counting on your faith. 
that we're going to hold up the shield of faith with each other and protect each other because the enemy has us in our, his sights and he is letting those arrows fly. But then we need to make sure that every day, every day, we're putting on the helmet of salvation. I think about Billy Graham and Charles Templeton. They were both faced with a battle. And one chose to bow and call out to Jesus, and the other let his own reason and disbelief get in the way. And I don't know about you, but I want to end my days like Billy Graham. But near the end of his life said these words, I know that soon my life will be over. I thank God for it and all that he has given me in this life. But he said, I look forward to heaven. And, catch this, I've read the last page of the Bible. And it's all going to turn out all right. That's faith. Would you pray with me? Lord, we need that kind of faith. We do not have it in and of ourselves. I pray that you would help us to shield one another and that you would give us the strength to keep hoping, keep trusting. And God, I pray that daily you would renew our minds, our thoughts with your truth, that we would recenter ourselves on you, that we would live in light of eternity. And in doing so, we would have the helmet of salvation placed firmly upon our heads so that we are fully protected, so that you can continue to use us on the battleground. To that end, we pray and ask for your help. Amen. Have a